And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, a sword that will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. Amen. I want to dismiss our school-age kids uh, to the back for a joyful time of uh, learning and celebration. Uh, Good morning. Uh, In case you don't know, my name is Jason, and I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant, and I am really excited to be here with you guys uh, this morning. Uh, Jamie mentioned uh, the offering uh, in her welcome. And as she was talking and she went through our mission partners, right, talked about the hub and and all that they're doing. We talked about uh, our heroes over in, in Asia that are doing just the Lord's work and just reaching really hard people in a really hard place talked about uh, our families who are adopting and fostering. I'm reminded of even this year, sitting down with Jimmy and Lee Murphy, uh, a couple in Covenant Shreveport, used to be here at Covenant Bossier, who are taking that step forward in an adoption to be able to bless them as a church with funds to help get them started in that journey is a blessing. And then I think about our church planters. And uh, COVID has not been kind to church planting across our country and of course our world. And this Thursday, uh, we were with, I mean, probably 30 planters from this kind of region over in Dallas. And and here's what's really cool is uh, Stephen Partain was there, who we planted in New Orleans years ago. And um, we met the guy who was planting a church out of his church in New Orleans in the Lower Ninth Ward, which is really like our, our grandchild church. And that is just an amazing thing to happen. And I met this guy. And he was at a big church in Florida and felt God call him to uh, New Orleans. And at the little church conference, we went around and asked, 
what is one thing you want for Christmas? Just kind of being silly. People said, I think Connor might have said Air Maxes. I don't know if that's what he said or not. But then uh, this guy said that he hopes he can find a home in the lower ninth ward in New Orleans to do ministry from. And um, I want to support missionaries like that. Amen. And this is why we ask each other to sacrifice together for the sake of the gospel. So everybody's conviction is different here, but I want to just encourage you, talk with your spouse, talk to yourself, whatever you got to do, and just ask God, God, what are you asking me to do this Christmas season to support uh, these great mission efforts? Hey, let me pray for us. Uh, dear Lord, um, I ask for your hand right now to watch over us, Father. I ask that you remove a spirit of darkness, a spirit of distraction, a spirit of discouragement, a spirit of heaviness from this room. Lord, help us to declare the word and hear the word in freedom this morning. Let us push back against the enemy this morning. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Uh, so, you know, it is Christmas time, and I don't feel like it is. First off, it's 75 degrees outside, and that's just weird, right? Um, and, you know, as you get older, as you lose hair, um, some of us lose hair, not me, obviously, and we live life, life just like, goes faster and faster, and I feel this sense, even with this season, that I want to make the most of it. It's like it's just going and going and going. But today we start, uh, we're in the middle of our Advent season, and we're going to talk about different topics over the next few weeks. And today's topic is the topic of peace. Of peace. You know, Christmas time, we hear this word peace a lot. If you go to Target or Hobby Lobby, not today, or Walmart, you will find all kinds of items with the word peace on there, right? Um, probably half our songs at Christmas have like the word peace or just the theme of peace in them, right? And so that, that makes sense. And it's not a bad thing. This idea of peace is a biblical thing that comes with Jesus. In Isaiah, Isaiah 9, one of the great prophecies about Jesus says this right here, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Amen? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This prophecy was about him being this Prince of Peace, of bringing peace, right? We see it in Zechariah and Luke 1. His benediction talking about his son, but towards the end he says this phrase, talking about Jesus to guide our feet into the way of peace. That as Jesus comes, he will guide his people, guide their steps into the way of peace. Luke 2, this beautiful picture of these angels and these shepherds. The angels declare this, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This promise of peace before he came is all throughout scripture. But then Jesus comes and he lives his life. He has his ministry and he talks about peace all the time. And John 14, we just learned this a few weeks ago. He's, as he's leaving, he says this, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. And here's the key. 
not as the world gives do I give to you. So Jesus is giving not the world's peace, but a different kind of peace. So I I read that this week, and I did all this study on the word peace. Too much study this week. And I started reflecting, well, what what is the peace that the world is selling? And there was one word as I just... This is really just personal inventory. And here's just a real secret. Whenever you hear somebody, at least I think in this church, preach, we're really preaching to ourselves and you're just kind of here. And so this, as I was just reflecting on this, here is the word that the world is selling. Ease. The world is selling peace as ease and comfort. What is the phrase? To drink and be merry, right? What is the goal of most American adults? To retire and be at ease. To be left alone, right? Just eat a sandwich and watch the game. Those aren't bad things, I hope not at least. (laughs) I love me a sandwich and I love uh, the game. We want to just be, we, we just want ease. And if we're honest today, most of our life is built around creating ease and comfort in our lives. Reflect on how you rest. This is just the really bad work of preaching because I did that this morning and I reflected on my yesterday. And it's not pretty. What I believe is true rest is not true rest. What I long for many times, my idea of peace is ease and comfort. And here's also the problem. Here's why I know this. Think about every single commercial we see on TV. That, what's it selling? It's selling, if you buy this thing, your life will be easier and better and more comfortable. Is that right? That's what we're being sold to. And these messages are all throughout our world, our life, and our day. And we have to be honest this morning. That message, the enemy uses those lies to confuse and to trick God's people. He does to to, to confuse and to trick me. He confuses and he tricks us. And here's the problem. When we start believing that the the real peace of God, the real peace of life is found in comfort and ease and the lack of conflict and the lack of suffering. What that, when we believe that, when those things arise, we think something is wrong. We think God has let us down or we think we've done something wrong. And then we live a life, we're just trying everything we can to just get comfort and ease. Here's what happens, right? We go into debt to buy things that we believe will bring us this peace, don't we? We work all the time. We work too much because we believe one day we can retire and live a life of ease. What's the phrase we always say, right? This is what I always say. It'll be less crazy in this next season. And we say that. And we say that because we're trying to achieve this sense of withdrawal, this this sense of comfort. And we even pass this down to our kids. We think if if our kids can do the right thing, get in the right school, make the right money, they'll one day have this great life of ease. So we do all these things, live a crazy, hurried, packed, scheduled life. We're just looking for this ease, for this sense of peace. And it is never-ending. Ease 
is like the RC Cola of peace. Like it's kind of like, it, and there's some elements of there, but it's not the real thing. It's not Coke. It's not Pepsi for sure. Pepsi's terrible. Um, <laughs> so the question we have to ask that I want to define today, what does biblical peace look like? What does biblical peace look like? So if Jesus is the Messiah and he came as the Prince of Peace, right? What does that mean? What does a kingdom of peace actually look like? Let's go to Luke 2. Emily just read this and we're going to walk through it. Beautiful picture of this man named Simeon, Jesus as a baby, walking through all these things. Uh, we see here in verse 22, it says, When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, this is tradition for a firstborn male to come to Jerusalem for purification. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb, firstborn, shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Well, what we see here, so the sacrifice, people came to travel to the, to the Holy Land to sacrifice this. If you had money, you would take this nice lamb and use this lamb as your sacrifice. But we see here Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, they were not wealthy people. Our Savior was born into a poor household, and they had to give two young pigeons. Let me go to verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. This simply means he was waiting for the Messiah. Remember, this is hundreds of years of God being silent through the prophets. And there is this waiting, and there's this waiting, and there's waiting, and there's this picture of this remnant we see here in Luke of this man named Simeon, who is righteous, who is devout. We find him nowhere else in Scripture. We don't know much about him, but we know this. He was righteous, he was devout, and he was waiting on the Messiah. We don't know if he was a priest. We don't know he was an old man. Now, we think he's old because he says, I can now depart in peace. But he could have been 27 saying that. We don't really know. Let's keep going. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to imagine, this is a baby, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now your servant, you're letting your servant Depart in peace. It's that sense we're like, okay, I've done this, I've done this, but I have seen him. I am good to go. So I studied this word peace this week. And it's this Greek word, irene. And it really, at the root of this, it really speaks to like this, this rest. This inward rest of the soul that Simeon just found once he saw Jesus. 
this complete inner rest. And I think the best English word for us to understand this is this word right here. It's contentment. That Simeon had found contentment. He found this thing. See, the world defines peace as ease. The Bible defines it as contentment. And these are wildly different ideas, aren't they? Ease and contentment. And they shape the way we live our life. They shape the way that we see God. Let's go back to verse 29. Because we're going to see here what this peace actually looks like and how we actually begin to walk in this peace. So Simeon keeps going, Lord, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light to the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. I want to remind you, Simeon is looking at a baby. But this was no normal baby, right? This was King Jesus. And through the Spirit's empowering, he could see what this baby was to become. Which brings to our first point. And it's an obvious point if, you're, if you've been in church at all. This right here. Peace is found in Jesus and nothing else. Right? Peace is found in Jesus and nothing else. That seems very obvious, but let's just go throughout our day and go throughout our week. We did an evaluation. We would say we might know this, but we don't always walk in this. See, Simeon had been waiting. The people of Israel have been waiting for hundreds of years. Have you ever waited on anything that long before? I have not. I don't like waiting. Do you like waiting? He was waiting faithfully waiting and then his eyes finally saw what was going to save him and his people see he could see that jesus through his work his life his death his resurrection would abandon the old covenant would abolish the old covenant he would create peace for god and his people see true peace true contentment is harmony with God. Harmony with God. And harmony with God is only possible through Jesus. So every, the human condition is this condition where we do not feel settled. We do not feel content. And there is this thing in life that we do where we're always just like flittering our arms around, trying to be settled, trying to find contentment, trying to be made right. We do it in all kinds of ways, right? We go to school, we work hard, we do this, we do that, we find a spouse, we have kids, we retire, we invest, we start having addictions this way, we get over our addictions this way, we do all these different things, right? To just try to figure out how can I be at peace? How can I find contentment? And there's only one way that we find contentment and that is through Jesus Christ. And this, this peace this, this, this peace is like, I can die now kind of peace, right? I've had lots of things in my life that I have enjoyed. Marrying my wife, having kids, um, I don't know what else, good things. But nothing in my life where I've done this, experienced this, where I say, okay, I can die now. 
right? But there is a sense, if you have walked with Jesus, if you've experienced the freedom and the forgiveness of Jesus, and just for a split moment, a split second, maybe for a few moments or a few minutes or for an hour or for a day, you experience the freedom and the peace of God. Nothing compares. You're like, I'm good. I'm done. I can go home now. Amen? That is the contentment and the peace that Jesus offers us. See, Simeon sees the spirit-empowered peace that Jesus brings in the form of this baby. But Paul speaks to this years later in the book of Colossians. Colossians 1 says this, verse 19. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This peace was made not like through a handshake or some kind of deal. It was made through the blood of Jesus. Remember, true peace is harmony with God. And harmony with God is only through Jesus, through what he has done. This is the folly of trying to find contentment outside of him. And it's when we, even as Christians, when we look to other things, that the restlessness of our souls spike up, right? It's when I start looking to the lesser that my soul begins to, I, even, man, if I could be honest this morning, I um, guess I can, y'all can't stop me, is... <laughs> past few months have just been a struggle. Nothing bad's happening. There's no crazy sin. But life is just sometimes just really, really hard. And I want to do all the things to please you, to please God, to please others. Um, and I'll just tell you, it's always lacking. It's always lacking. There is only one thing there's only one thing in this world, in my life, and I will say in your life, that can provide the rest for your souls, the contentment for our souls that we are longing after. And that is the work of Jesus. It's, it's when I find a way to keep my eyes focused on him, what he has done, his astounding love, his astounding love, his astounding love, church, please hear this this morning. His astounding love. God loves you. He does not love the fixed up version of you. He does not love the version who's made peace for himself. He loves you and all of your mess and all of your sin. And there's one way to make peace. That's through him and his work. So friends, we must focus on his love. I am getting ahead of myself this morning. But this peace, this contentment that is offered to us, Simeon's story here gives us a fuller picture of what this peace really looks like. Because, full disclosure, I am, like if anybody knows me, I'm a peacemaker, 
I love harmony. If there's conflict, I always make a joke. And I've made another version of myself and my son, Hayes Wood. So if Connor gets in trouble, Hayes' hair is on fire trying to make, Con- make sure Connor is okay. He wants to bring peace wherever he goes. But he- here is the, the, the thing for us. We believe that peace means the absence of conflict. That's not true. Let's keep going. Look here at verse 33. In this just incredible, just kind of prophetic word from Simeon, it says here, his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. That is so relatable, isn't it? If you brag on my kid, if you said that my kid was going to do all these things, I'm like, yes, that's mine right there. There's this real, like, you can, this pride they have. But then it kind of turns. Like Simeon's prophetic word is, is good, but it has like this dark edge to it. Look at 34. And Simeon blessed them and then said to Mary his mother, And the way, this, the way mm, that Luke shifts this story to Mary, I can't help but think of Mary watching her son die on a cross. Friends, hear this. Mary is not a fairy tale. Mary was a person that was the mother of Jesus. And Simeon right here is warning her. Yes, he, I can depart in peace. He is the prince of peace. But here's what's, what's coming Verse 34, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And this aside right here in verse 35, and the sword will pierce through your own soul also. You know, of course, I have never lost a child, but I can imagine the, the, the death of losing a child. It's like having a sword just hits you right in the soul. And Simeon is warning her that this is coming so that thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. Jesus is the prince of peace. But hear this, this peace will lead to conflict. This peace will lead to conflict. His very identity as king will lead to conflict with others. This very identity will lead to conflict with others. Jesus said this himself, John 10, 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Listen, the story of the church, the story of Jesus' life and death is not a story of ease and comfort, is it? It's not the peace that Simeon foresaw or that Jesus promised. Peace is not the absence of conflict and pain. It is the restful assurance of God's presence in the midst of pain and suffering. And we are simply just not conditioned for this in the West. When we, once again, going back, we are sold all the times that life is found in ease. And we are conditioned to a life of ease. So when suffering hits God's people, we don't know what to do. We think, where is the peace of God? But peace does not mean ease. Think about Jesus' own life and ministry with his disciples. Almost probably half his ministry was preparing them for the suffering that was to come in their life. Go to Acts 7 real quick. It's a great picture. I mean, it's a sad picture. But a picture of what faithfulness looks like. What peace 
looks like in the midst of conflict and pain. If you're not familiar, there was this man named Stephen in the early church, a very faithful man, was persecuted and then murdered for his faith. Look at verse 59 in Acts 7. As they were stoning Stephen, stoning is a terrible way to die. He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Friends, that is what peace in the midst of suffering looks like. Or, or maybe it's your friend, or maybe it's yourself, who has walked through the loss of a loved one, who has walked through sickness, who has walked through losing a job, who has walked through betrayal, who has walked through slander, who's walked through all the stones this world has to throw at us, right? The beauty of God's people is that our peace does not come from things. Our peace cannot be really messed with. Our peace cannot be shaken because our peace comes through him. And as we trust in him, we can walk in this world with a content heart. We can walk in this world with a real peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace does not mean ease. Peace is found in Jesus and Jesus alone, but peace does not mean ease. It just doesn't mean ease. We want it to, but it doesn't mean ease. You know, uh, Luke says this all the time, and I think Brother Larry said it, his father said it, so it's just even, Paul did not say fight the good fight. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I messed it up already. I'm sorry, Luke. Paul didn't say that we dance the good dance, did he? He said we fight the good fight. And hear this, walking in this world, walking in peace, walking in contentment is not going to be a dance, friends. It's not gonna be a dance, and here's why. There is a real enemy that is attacking us. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? There's a real enemy. There is a real broken world that is full of lies, right? A world full of broken lies. And three, there is still sin that resides in all of us. You combine those three things that want to take us away from our source of peace, our source of contentment, and move our eyes towards something else. If we don't fight back, we are going to drift. What's so funny about a sermon on peace is also a call to arms. It's a call to fight, or we're going to drift towards something else, something that's not good, that's not fulfilling, and it damages the way the world sees the church as well. We're called to something more. The peace of God stands in conflict to the world, so the world is coming. The peace of God creates a war inside ourselves. That's why we feel this tension all the time. The peace of God is not absent of conflict. So what do we do in light of this? We, we, we see and I hope we believe that peace is found in Jesus and nothing else. And I hope we understand now that peace does not mean ease. 
We have this, I think, working definition of peace as this picture of contentment. But what do we do? How do we live? How do we walk in this peace? But go back to verse 25. And I think Simeon teaches us something here. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. What this means, this man did good works over and over and over and over again. And then what's interesting here, it says here, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Verse 27, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. And what's interesting is we know that after Jesus ascends, he sends the Spirit to indwell believers, right? So in the Old Testament, when we see the Spirit upon someone, it really is this like supernatural thing that is happening. It's not common that Simeon is walking and influenced by the Spirit. But the Spirit is leading him into something. Galatians 5 says this, the words of Paul. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And this simply means this, we are never going to find peace on our own. The Spirit will lead us to peace. So what we must do, if we want to walk in this peace, we must walk with the Spirit. We walk with the Spirit. As we, as Christians, wait with the Spirit, the Spirit will always point us towards Jesus and Jesus will always lead us to peace. You see that? We wait for the Spirit. Spirit leads us to Jesus. He leads us into peace. Here's the key. And this is what's going to come at us a little bit hard today, especially during the Christmas season. Peace is found in patiently waiting and not in the hurried life. Peace is found in patiently waiting and, patient, and patiently showing up again and again and again like Simeon did and will lead us to Jesus. The hurried life, I think Willard says this, hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life. And friends, we are, even this morning, in my, I'm literally writing these words down and everything in my soul is hurried. Is it just me or do we always have a timer going in our lives? The timer never goes away. And here, if I'm honest today, many times I want to rush through things for the purpose of being left alone and being at ease. Because I believe that's where true life is found. It's in the spirit of withdrawal and the spirit of ease. And I want to encourage you to pray for me because that is a lie from the enemy that I believe over and over and over again. That I hurry, hurry, get all this stuff done, live my life, do this, do my responsibilities so that y'all leave me alone. I can do what I want to do. This is where true life is found. And friends, I'm a living, I will tell you, that just doesn't work. It does not Bring what it says it's going to bring. We are sprinting all over the place when what God really wants is for us to just show up over and over and over again. 
That's what God is after, for us to just show up to, with him over and over again. See, we tend to be hurried and inconsistent, and what God is after is slow and consistent. We tend to be really hurried and inconsistent, and what God is looking for is small, is slow, and is faithful. It's mustard seed faith, right? It's consistent mustard seed type faith. So I've got a few things to help us do this that I've written down. How do we slow down and become consistent? It's not new for any of us. How do we slow down and walk in more consistent faithfulness? First thing, we have to make first things first. Listen, you do, you plan, you live in what you actually care about. As my wife loves to say, we are all busy. We do what we care about. What this means is put the big rocks first. Walking with God, the disciplines, the weapons, uh, the rhythms of the spiritual life must be the priority that takes, overtakes everything. You say, well, Jason, I have this job. Well, I have these kids. Well, and I understand all those things. And I empathize. I really do. But hear this, you will never successfully walk through those things with joy and peace and love and all those great fruits if you don't put first things first. If the big rocks are not put in first, the little pebbles will just ruin our lives. So we have to, as the people of God, decide walking with God is the stake in the ground that we are going to live by. That's first. That first things must be first. Second, find loving accountability. You will never do this on your own. You will never do it on your own. And here's what I mean by loving accountability. First, you have to be known. This is the drum we've been beating for a while. We have to be known. People must know those parts of your heart that turn away so that they can lovingly kind of call you back to where the true peace is found. You must be known. Second, you must allow them to tell you no. That they see your life, they see your, and say, that's just off, man, stop doing that. Or your kids should stop doing that so that your soul is saved and their soul is saved. Someone in your life that can tell you no. And last, someone who can encourage you. Someone who can encourage you. And this is the obvious thing. The third thing we need to kind of walk in the spirit to slow down and be consistent is that we need faith. We need faith. At the end of the day, we need to believe that contentment is greater than ease. That contentment is greater than ease. This is the treasure in the field, right? That we, have, we believe we found the great treasure in the kingdom of God, and we're going to sell everything else because we want this treasure. That is just at the core of that. That is faith that this is better than this. So first things first, people, faith. This is how we can walk in this peace with restful contentment. But that's not all we're called to walk in as far as peace goes. Look at verse 33 again, or verse 34. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many. 
Verse 35, it's so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So what he's saying here, he is saying that through King Jesus, some will rise, some will fall, but it's going to mean conflict. Like him being King Jesus in this world will lead to some rising and some falling. And and here here is the really sad part in what we're called to today. That that means there is this conflict in the world. There is a natural conflict between the people of God and the enemies of God. But too many times, there is too much conflict between the people of God and the people of God. Does that make sense? We have been made new. We have been brought peace through the blood of Jesus He has made peace with us, which was the greatest offense, so that we can make peace and love and unity with each other. But but too many times, that is not what's happening in the church. This is one of Jesus' core teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So for us to walk in this peace, we must walk in the Spirit, but also we make peace with others. Jesus' people are peacemakers. As we walk in the peace that God gives, we become a people of peace. We become a people, um, a family, a city on the hill, a, a lighthouse that a conflicted world sees and thinks something different is happening there because this kind of person and this kind of person and this kind of person who have nothing in common have this great peace, this great unity. What is going on there? That is what the church is called to. But too many times the church and the way that we make peace with one another looks like the rest of the world. We are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And there's two things that are always a part of peacemaking. One, sacrifice. When we make peace, that means that we're going to sacrifice. Look at verse 35. Simeon said he'd be the prince of peace, but there would be this thing that pierced Mary's soul, right? The death of her son. This is, of course, from the ministry of Jesus where he, to bring peace to us, he sacrificed everything. Love will always cost us something. We tend to think of love as only being received. Love should be easy. The church should be easy. That's just not true in Scripture or our experience, is it? Making peace, loving others is always going to be difficult and will always cost us something. It's a sacrifice of our time. People will will cause you to lose time. You will sacrifice your pride. I promise you that every single day, right? In loving each other, in making peace, we're going to sacrifice and swallow a lot of things that we think. We're going to sacrifice pride. We're going to sacrifice our energy. It takes work to be peacemakers. It really does. Many times we're going to sacrifice our money to make peace. That's not fighting over the, the money you're owed. That's not fighting over this, over that. This is that we are called to a higher form of peace. Because the peace that was bought for us was a cost that we could never pay back. 
So we are peacemakers, and peace, making peace will always be a sacrifice. Second thing to make peace is we need truth. We need truth. To really make peace with one another, we need loving truth. Loving truth is always present in peacemaking. Uh, Matthew 18 is a great picture of what this looks like. It's going to a brother or sister who offends you. It will always, always, always require the awkward truth. It's never easy. But here's what we tend to do. We tend to replace making peace with this quiet bitterness. Listen, I'm a peacemaker, and I know this more than anything for myself, is that because of my coward, me being a coward sometimes, or not wanting to confront this or confront that, there'll be this silent bitterness because I don't want to go to a brother about this one issue. But if we want to receive peace and walk in peace, it will always require loving truth. But I think this comes back to us seeing peace as ease and lack of conflict. Like peace should be easy is what we think. It should be easy, lack of conflict, and it just never works that way. This peace always comes at a cost and through truth. So what is our step today? What is, what is your step today? Maybe it's for you to find a plan of living an unhurried life, to walk with the Spirit. Maybe for you there's a brother, there's a sister that you need to reconcile with and make peace today. What is your step? Do we want to walk in ease in the way of the world or do we want to walk in contentment through Jesus? We're going to end our time today with communion. And it's a reminder of the source of our peace. You know this idea of peace When we truly reflect on the peace that Christ has brought us, it almost always brings hope. This world is dark. It could be cynical. I could be cynical. But the peace of God always can bring hope. Because the peace of God says this, that Jason, even though you've offended me, rebelled against me, spat on me, Feigned my name, profaned my name, done all these things. I love you. And through my sacrifice, through my body, through my blood, you can have peace. Friends, if that does not bring us hope, nothing will. That is the hope of the gospel. And that hope is for us today. Not for the good people, for the shiny people, the have it all together people. It's for the people who live the hurried life. It's for the people who are afraid of conflict. It's for the people who have messed up over and over and over again. There is Jesus Christ saying, come. My blood has covered your sins. Receive my peace. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, thank you for uh, your good news. Thank you for the good news that you have made um, peace through the blood of the cross. And that we can now walk in fellowship and love and joy and peace with you. Father, will you direct our steps today? 
Will you make us quick to hear, quick to respond to your voice today? Lord, will you make us willing today? Father, I'm not sure we know the depth of our need. Father, in your love, in your kindness, will you reveal to us the depth of our need? And Father, in your love, in your kindness, will you give us the boldness to respond to you? the boldness to, to seek steps of being known, uh, the boldness to seek uh, your way of peace, uh, the, the boldness to make peace with others. Father, will you help us? Will you help us? Will you help us? Will you help us be willing today? Father, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Help us to respond by the power of your Spirit. And Father, don't let us respond in communion today until we really do work with you. Help us not to be hurried right now. Father, help me to not be hurried right now. Father, don't let us just miss out and move past what you have for us today. Father, help us to be willing. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for paying the price from our rebellion. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. The table is waiting for us of communion. This is for all of those who call Jesus their Lord and their King. You do not have to be a member of our church. But I would ask you this, before you partake today, do work with God. He wants to meet with us, make ourselves willing Listen to the voice of God and respond as he leads today. And when you're come, when you're ready, come, partake. If you want to pray, I'll be in the back. Others will be in the back with me if you want to pray. Come when you're ready.